0: Hello and welcome to GIST Radio. We are a casual radio station where we broadcast when we have something to say. GIST stands for Getting the Shit Together, and we broadcast important interviews and information for artists and creatives of all kinds. For more information on GIST, please log into our website at www.gyst-ink.com, where you will find free resources, software, and publications for artists. You can email us and let us know what you would like to hear about at info at gyst-ink dot com. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Hello listeners, I'm your gist radio host, Kara Tomei. And I am so pleased to have the opportunity to talk with my guest today, Shamim Momin, who is a well-known independent curator and the founder and director of Los Angeles Nomadic Division, a.k.a. Land. Shamim is an adjunct curator for the Whitney Museum in New York, where she uh, co-curated the 2004 and 2008 Whitney Biennial. She has curated exhibitions at Art. Basel, Miami, and the Venice Biennale has organized solo exhibitions for major artists such as Raymond Pettibone, Terence Coe, and Banks Violette. So her uh, credentials, her institutional curating credentials are quite high. And I am interested to talk to her about that in relation to her independent curating and founding of LAND, which is a unique organization. Uh, LAND is a nonprofit founded in in 2009 by Shanine and another um, artist, a public art initiative committed to curating site and situation-specific contemporary art projects in Los Angeles and beyond uh, nationally. And it is support unconventional practices and projects through commissioning large-scale public projects, collaborating with institutions, offering a variety of public programs, performances, workshops, residencies, discussions, publications. I mean, this is an ambitious organization with a very big, long list of multitude of projects, uh, sometimes all at one time. So I'm very excited to hear about how Shamim and her team and her staff make it all happen. So I'm going to go ahead and and welcome Shamim to the show. Hello there. Hey, I'm here. Thank you very much.
0: I'm thrilled to be here.
1: Great. Me too. So there's so much to talk about uh, because LAND, again, is very ambitious and has such a a variety of programming. But, you know, first I just want to ask you a little bit about your start I mean you are a a curator and you've been in institutions and outside of institutions and how did that curating and how did you come to say you know I want to start my own organization and and do projects that I'm not seeing happen out there in the world well
0: um It's quite a long story, so I'll try to condense it. But, you know, I was at the Whitney Museum for about 12 years where I had an amazing opportunity to curate very large-scale exhibitions like the Whitney Biennials with some amazing other co-curators. And I was also able to... um, uh, They gave me the opportunity to be the director of the Whitney Museum at Ultra, which is an off-site space, a public space, in which we did large-scale commission projects with contemporary artists. Um, So as you might imagine, the interest in projects in the public realm uh, began at that time, certainly, and how to integrate that with the qualitative level of a a museum, of a major institution, um, but keep it open and out there for the public. So that probably was the, you know, that experience um, throughout the years at the Whitney was certainly the germ of the idea for for land. Um, I think around the time of the 2008 Biennale, which I co-curated with the wonderful Henrietta Holdish who's Coming back to America now, actually, to be the chief curator at m i t at the List Visual Arts Center, which is built about in any case during that time frame we were we were working with artists whose practices really weren't able to be shown in full um just in the museum galleries now certainly they had studio practices that created objects and other kinds of uh you know viewable um static uh, activity, but also and equally important, they had all sorts of other kinds of expanded practices, whether having a band or running a print practice or performative aspects, each of which uh, related to the individual objects as well. So this sort of unique, and certainly this isn't new in the history of art, but there was a a prevalence of this type of work happening at that time, and it seemed to me um, that it was something that needed different types of venues to serve properly. During that exhibition, we actually did... Work with the Park Avenue Armory, where the artists were able to do site-specific installations, um, ongoing activities, interventionist um, um, performances, things like that, to really kind of capture the breadth of their work. And coming out of that, it seemed simultaneously with my interest in Los Angeles and all and the amazing community of artists here um, that there weren't as many public art initiatives as I was used to seeing in New York and that that might be a really great way to put those two aspects together, the way that artists were working differently and also kind of producing things more in the public realm to allow this kind of challenging contemporary art to be a part of your everyday experience.
1: So that's right. And version. so, w- at what point did you? At what? At what that, that, that's 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 a good a good <laughs> condensation for sure. There's probably lots of questions within there, but I do want to get to land. Um, so, yeah. how did? Well, let me just ask you a basic question: of How did you transition from New York to L.A.? You just saw L.A. I mean, you wanted to move here, and uh, did you move yeah. here with the intention of starting something on your own, or how did that? How did you yeah. come uh, the other coast from one coast to the other? Well, I
0: mean, I have been coming out to L.A. for a number of years, um, increasingly so over the last, uh, the preceding five before I moved out, Um, so I've been thinking about it quite a bit. You know, the Whitney was a wonderful place and really is where I grew up, essentially, but I had also started thinking maybe it would be interesting to, you know, stretch my legs a little bit and um into another other arenas and wanting to start something of my own so yes i did actually move out here with the intention to do that I didn't really i wasn't able to do it until um christine kim who is um, my colleague with whom i founded land um expressed interest in joining forces so that we could really get it going i mean it's a hard thing especially at that time that was uh you know, late 2008 is when we started working on it, so pretty much the worst <laughs> choice of time to, economically to start a new nonprofit. But, um, right. but we felt it would be a really important, it could be a really important contribution to the L.A. landscape. We held a number of um, the right, um, certain not seminars guy like, uh, sort of quorum uh, with other artists and uh, L.A. curators and critics and academics to talk about this idea of a public arts initiative and whether it was an interesting conversation and needed and so on, really tried to do our homework, so to speak, um, in order to then found it properly, you know, with a, with a mission and structure and an idea behind it. Um, that is that very That's a very,
1: yeah very smart way to to kind of move into it you know to to build a a consensus or and to get to get feedback even before you start i like that i think that's a good piece of advice for anyone who might want to start their own initiative or nonprofit um and but you do you you maintain a pretty small staff and board so yeah. and you do by this point you know majorly funded projects so uh, mm-hmm. luckily although I, I you might have started at a time that it was difficult and, and actually i would say it's, it's still a little bit difficult um in terms of nonprofit arts funding i interview so many different you know very small uh, nonprofits, and everyone struggles for, for funding. But you've also found a way to fund some major projects, which we'll get into a little bit as as we, we go forward. Um, so let's – oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I just want to say something about the, the staff. Um, I have an extraordinary team, which obviously makes everything possible. I mean, they're just wonderful. But the idea of keeping it small and you know, uh, nimble is really um, in order to maintain our mission. And we can't really do things in a very responsive, immediate uh, um you know reactive in a sense way to what artists are doing, and if we're spending all of our time managing a large staff or and Lord knows I could i you know there's a whole department to do it at the Whitney. I know what it means to to have to handle that, so we really made a very deliberate decision to keep the staff um, tight um, obviously we want to we'll continue to develop it as needed in order to not. You know, to make it functional, but um, but that was right. You can't that was be a uh, nomadic
1: well. division. You can't be a nomadic division with a uh, huge group of people. I guess is, exactly is point, right. I'm, it's not yeah, you, you, yeah. From the name forward, it really does make a big. It's such a great name. One of the greatest names, I think, in the LA arts community. Thank <laughs> really, you. It looks I, that I have it to is.
0: credit to Christine. That was really her inspiration. Mm-hmm. Christine
1: Kim. So, That's yeah. wonderful. And just they, to pause, give yeah, yeah, her a little. Just to give her a little props and, and recognition, Tell me, just briefly tell me uh, about about Christine, and is she still oh, involved, actually. Um
0: Christine um, was I, and I met in New York when she was a curator at the Studio Museum in Harlem, and she moved out here a bit before I did, um, and is now the Associate Curator of Contemporary Art, I believe is her title, at LACMA. Um, so she is, uh, after the founding in the first couple of years, she needed to sort of distance her like, sort of day-to-day involvement with land, um because of obviously this whole other uh um institutional position that she has. So she she's of course still a great advocate and um supporter, but um on the day to day practices she's not um able to be as involved as of course we would like but <laughs> yeah but she's a, yeah but it was a
1: great really critical aspect to
0: how we came to be. So
1: that's wonderful. Um, so good for Christine and, and you as well. Um, I'm going let's dive into some of your projects because there are so many and of course, um I, I urge any of our listeners who are at home on their computer listening to go right to your website, which is nomadicdivision.org, because, you know, there's just... It's a wonderful, comprehensive website of all your multitude of projects, and we're going to hit on some of them, as many as we can, in our in our sometimes-feels-like-brief show. <laughs> I, I want to ask, what was your first um, kind of series that you developed? Was it Nomadic Nights, or was it um, something else? No, actually, what was the first project? The, we From the start, we
0: had the idea of having you know, a guide of essentially three different scales of exhibitions and programming. So um, the the major, the largest level or the most expansive level is uh, the, um, for a while they we were calling them 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0, but we're not doing that anymore. In any case, the, the, the previously uh, determined 1.0 um, projects were large-scale, multi-artists, multi-site, exhibitions, essentially like a group show over time and space. If you imagine a group show at a museum, but each individual project happened in a different space in the city. So our very first project that was really the launch of land, we had some preceding small, you know, advanced ones, but the major one was called Vaya, which was an exhibition of uh, artists from from Mexico of Mexican descent all around Los Angeles. And I believe we had eight projects within that, if I recall correctly, throughout a year and a half. Um, some of them open simultaneously. Some of them, they, and all of them, as with all of our projects, are essentially collaborations with the venue. In that case, we collaborated with Moca, with the Mac Center, you know, with uh, with LACMA. Actually, one of our um, wonderful projects there with Teresa Magoies, um, and so on and so forth. With each each of those, uh, the City of West Hollywood for the Sunset Boulevard Videotrons, um, it was spread throughout Los Angeles, and it was really our hope to you know make. To, it was it was part of shaping our identity in the public realm at that time. Then you know we start we've been working as well on. Uh, that previously <laughs> called 2.0, or basically monographic exhibitions or smaller, finite group shows. And we did one in Austin, Texas, for example, that then traveled to Los Angeles called The Secret Nose, um, which was based around a sort of music theme, essentially, and a poem by Robert Frost, and all the artists responded to and created work uh, related to that. And then on the 3.0 level, there are a lot of different um, types and, and two um, important series, one called Nomadic Knights that you mentioned and the other called Frame Rate. Nomadic nights is a way for us to sort of take advantage of the extraordinary you know, sites and architecture often in Los Angeles that often people aren't able to access. Um, so usually it's a kind of laboratory project, some kind of performance, something an artist may not end up doing in their final um, piece, but it's something they're working on or that inspires them. It really runs the gamut of types of things from a cooking lesson to like making a knitting pattern to other types of, you know, performative and musical activity. And then often done in uh, architecturally significant sites, such as a John Lautner house, a private John Lautner house, a Schindler house we've done. Uh, We did one in the penthouse of of, um, Chateau Marmont Um, and all, you know, hopefully all of them having some nice, infor- you know, reciprocal uh, information between the site and the project. And so that's a way for people to experience a lot of different things at once. Um, and
1: uh, Yeah, the, invite- the, your most recent one, I'm sorry, I just want to interrupt you because I do so, that no, no, the no, images no, no, of this no, no. are so fabulous on the, on the website. I'm sure it was, you know, a, a, a great experience. It was outside in the San Gabriel Mountains, a, uh, a performance yes. by Jamie Ross. Where Jamie Ross, the, yeah. uh You know, was out in the elements doing a durational performance Exactly,
0: and that you know, again, sometimes they are really unusual ways of uh, processes for the art for the audience. Sorry, you know, they have to walk up almost a mile to get to that particular site, and you become a lot more part of the performance in certain cases in that way. I mean, we like to encourage cinematic nights and the frame rates as well to be interactive where the artist feels you know I- I interested and excited to do that um and just purely for that reason as well to bring you know the overall idea of course with a uh, uh, with a public arts initiative is to try to broaden the audience for art um so that people who may not otherwise consider it interesting have different ways to access it or different points of of um you know information to to be attracted to so um, yes, that was a really beautiful um, performance. And, um, you know, Jamie is a very young artist from um, Canada, actually, who came to me through another artist who I know well, um, which is often how our network works. Um, there's nothing more interesting to me than what other artists think is interesting. <laughs> in
1: yes, artists recommending artists. Very, very great yeah. way to yeah to go about it. And, uh, but you do take, I saw on your website that there is a way to propose something to yes. lab. So any artist
0: Yeah. No, in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean it, it's important to me. Um again this is something that uh was a, a important rule for the curators at the Whitney and I felt strongly about so kind of you know, in, in general try to translate everything I learned from um, you know, a long term high functioning institution, um and being able to take the great things and maybe not the stuff that I didn't. Um, agree with, um, but in any case, this is it, allowing artists to propose projects and submit their work is, is critical. Um, obviously, that that me, I can't look at all of it immediately, but we always look at everything eventually. That's just sort of a policy, and I've, I've always felt strongly about that. You just never know where your, you know, inspiration at curatorial League can come from. And not to mention, it's wonderful to just see what everyone's doing, even if you can't always support producing all of it.
1: Right, absolutely, absolutely, and it's nice to have that open—a little bit of an open, uh, an openness to to the yeah. process. That's great. Sure. Um, okay, let's talk about another project which has been going on for a couple of, well, at least a year, and it's a two-year project, and that's the Manifest Destiny Billboard Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is taking place um, on Interstate 10 all over California, and uh, 100 billboards, 10 artists. And you have chapters where artists are, are commissioned to do the billboards. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that project came about. Um, I understand sure. it was by an artist, Zoe Crocher, who has mm-hmm. um, actually gotten quite a buzz in the last year around L.A. Um, and anyway, how did that come about? And um, maybe talk about some of the uh, past uh, projects you've done and, I, and you know, one that's coming up with Stanford Biggers.
0: Great. Um, Well, the project, actually, first of all, it's actually across the entire country.
1: So the best way to to remember
0: it for me is 10, 10, 10. So it's across the entirety of Interstate 10 from Florida to California, um, 10 artists or chapters and 10 billboards Mm -hmm. each per chapter. So um, in in essence, it's like 10 shows, but traveling consecutively across um, the country. Hence the use of the word chapter, because we like to think of it almost as a story unfolding, even though they're not strictly... Um, linear in their content, yeah. um, more so each artist was asked to respond to the idea, very complex historical ideas of Manifest Destiny, and um, also their particular area and site, most of which were selected by the artists, and, and luckily enough, no one overlapped, so we didn't even have to make that uh, make that much of an issue. But to backtrack, um, Zoe and I have known each other for several years, and of course, have been doing studio visits with her, the Nomadic Night I reference um uh, the the Marmal um, Penthouse is was was her um, a, pro- a project she did call An Evening with Eve Sabbath. and after during all that time when we talked a lot about her work she had mentioned this idea she had about uh, doing billboards across um, t- across the town but from mostly in Arizona and LA, and as we kept talking it occurred to me that wouldn't it be kind of an amazing thought to to really trace the whole westward movement from east to west um, along a route that people are less familiar with when they think about that Um, expansion and um, being able to touch on so many different areas, you know, communities, locations, geographies, landscapes, et cetera. So then we, we you know we decided to curate that together and began brainstorming about the artists that could be interesting um in translating their work into this billboard format. And you know, of course we had no restrictions on how they would do it, but just trying to think about what they might do um as as one does with a commission project, how it would fit. So thus far, you know, Shauna Lutger, who is an LA based artist, um, launched the project in Florida last fall. Um, followed by Mario Ibarra in Mobile, Alabama. Um, and his, each, each of the chapters has what we call activations attached to them. In other words, things that the artist can do, can propose to do um, in the, within the more local community and site so that there's more connection and it does, isn't just something we do and throw out there and don't like, uh, try to invest on a more um, micro level as, as well as the macro of across the country. So um, Mario Baras' um, project, actually um, in conjunction with the Center for Living Arts in Mobile, is now a show. His actual billboards, he turned into uh, an exhibition within the uh, Contemporary Arts Center there, and um, they had a series of you know pro- um, programming around that. And so that's, like, one of our – that's an ideal version, one of the translations of how the billboards can become. Um, Sanford Biggers, we're working on a performance. Um, he actually opened in New Orleans a few weeks ago, I think now, um, working on a performance that may happen um, in New Orleans in the fall during the opening of Prospect. So, again, keeping these, like, ongoing sort of links as the other chapters unfold so that they overlap and continue to inform um, the exhibition overall. So our next uh, chapter is Eve Fowler in Houston, or in, in the interstate approaching Houston, I should say more accurately, um, That will, and her activations will be a reading um, within one of the arts organizations in Houston,
1: we're still determining, and also
0: a series of lending libraries of books that relate to the uh, text-based work that she's showing on the billboards that will be done at various um, sort of gas stations and, you know, sort of convenience sites along the way, along the highway, so people can actually take the books and hopefully give them, you know, hopefully give them back. We'll see how it works, but it's sort of an experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, but she really wanted to have that, which I think is a wonderful way to think of activating the billboards. Um, and then we have um, host, John, John Baldessari is the next one in San Antonio, and then we have a host of others upcoming. And Zoe is the second to last um, in uh, Arizona slash California, and we culminate with Matthew Brannon here in L.A. next spring,
1: it looks like, but it's always a bit fungible based on the
0: schedules of each chapter.
1: I love hearing about the artists and the concepts, of course, but I'd also like to ask you a little bit more about the nitty-gritty of pulling something like this off. For instance, mm-hmm. I mean, how did you fund the project? I'm just That's one aspect I want to ask about. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this like a grant-based um, uh, thing, or the, is it just part of you work it into your
0: budget? It's a combination of things with Manifest Destiny because it is such a large-scale project, probably our our highest level number, you know, in terms of the exhibition Mm -hmm. number um, that we've done thus far, but again, as you imagine, it's spread over two years, so it gives us the opportunity to continue to fundraise. We did receive an amazing seed grant, we sort of think of it, from the Robert Rauschenberg Foundation that allowed us to confidently begin the project um, in the fall, and since then have been working on, you know, different levels of either larger-scale funding with with, uh, with through grants and foundations, but also individuals who are interested in the specific chapters or specific artists. Um, our nomadic council um, chose to use their dues towards Sanford's uh, project, for example, and in other cases we're applying for grants within the specific locations. This one is really, like, everything you can think of we, we are doing. And, of course, within our right. overall... You know, budgets we put aside programming amounts, but then we assume we have to raise those on top, additional ones on top of those. Um, right. I know, guess it different is nicely like said
1: since it's a two-year project. It's not you didn't have yeah. to come up with the whole entire budget. You know, as a get-go, it's something you can ongoing, yeah. yeah, ongoing, do ongoing in any any way you can. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> okay,
0: okay, I, Sorry. Go ahead, yeah. yeah.
1: Can I ask you about working with the billboard companies? That is really interesting. How does that How does that work? Is it one company? Is it many? How do you select the sites and get those billboards to be used?
0: Well, luckily we had this wonderful experience um, last July. Myself and my two main team members, Matthew Frank and Laura Hyatt where we drove across the entirety of the 10. Uh, we did, like, you know, the cross-road wow. trip but with, with, with a noble cause of mine, which was researching the billboards. And we essentially, not essentially, we actually took a picture of every single billboard across the entirety of the
1: route. Wow, and, that um, could be, like, a book <laughs> right there. <laughs> actually, yeah, it could be a great little publication.
0: We We're hoping that that will make its way into what we hope will be a culminating catalog as well. But, you know, it was an yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, amazing so experience. True. You know, both yeah. just for the obvious fun of it, but also territorially it made a big difference to be able to actually move through the changing landscapes, the changing communities, and to see all that. And then, practically, of course, understanding um, billboards. I mean, who knew that it was, you know, that there was this whole, not who knew, but who knew anything about this whole industry until um, so we started doing that. And we, you know, basically, there are three major billboard companies we determined from that. Um, it's all listed on the bottom. You never notice it until you look for it, um, of, of each billboard across the country. And we started just really cold reaching out to them and to anyone we could think of that had any relationship to to that industry. And um, they've been incredibly responsive. I mean, most we do pay for them, but very reduced rates. They do everything they can to get us the exact sites and you know, we've worked with Lamar as well as with, I think we're working with CBS for this next round and um, Clear Channel as well comes in. And they all, you know, we, we hope that as we keep moving that things will get even more and more donated because often that helps as you develop a relationship with a company. But, you know, Laura Hyatt, who manages most of that, she knows More than you could possibly imagine knowing about the ratio, aspect ratios and all the terminology of like bulletins and like poster billboards and all this kind of thing. Um, But, you know, it has been really helpful in, in, you know, we want to give the artists as much precise information as possible, obviously, in terms of their locations, mapping. Um, You'd be surprised at how much uh, they, I mean, they have sites, the sites all filled out throughout the entire country, so they're able to give us um great information and um you know once you take the you can give the art give artists all of those parameters, the practical parameters that I know sound really boring, but are really once they're there, you can spend more of your time on the creative part is what I was, I would like to think and um not get, you know, caught up or tripped up by something you hadn't thought of that was, you know, the scale. Right, or, no, it's, oh, a, just it's fantastic.
1: fantastic. Talk, <laughs> about, talk about hands-on curating. You actually, you know, <laughs> did the whole entire road trip and all the research and all of that. I mean, the, that is actually, what a gift for an artist to just be able, yeah, yeah you're giving them so much information. So I like your style. <laughs> it's <laughs> certainly, certainly, is, yeah. certainly
0: fun for us, too. I mean, yeah. granted, sometimes we like don't want to yeah. be, like, painting the wall at the last minute, but most of the time, I think the hands-on aspect makes it very real for, you know, and, and um, It gives you a certain kind of investment in it because, you know, your hands were sort of literally in it, Um, both for myself as well as, I think, for the people who work at LAM. Like, I think that's one of the reasons they're – they used to be there, so.
1: Right. Oh, Yeah. It sounds fun. Can I sign up? I'll sign up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're welcome. <laughs> we'll talk. Um, so, oh my gosh, it's, so, this, so many projects. I, lo- I love the billboard project, all of it, and, and it's almost, you know, like that, 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 those projects right there fill almost filled almost a half an hour of talk. But I do want to talk about an upcoming, quite ambitious project, the one in Washington D.C. Which is Great. a uh, collaborative with other organizations and all and and pretty sound looks like a pretty big deal. So can you talk about your Alter Abolish Address project that's coming up a- in the fall?
0: Absolutely. Um this is very exciting, Tess. I should mention, you know, this is our fifth year or just our fifth year of programming and so we're really excited to kind of be celebrating the five years and sort of moving into this. Um, not new stage, but sort of amplified stage of our mission. And one of the things that I really wanted to do um, in terms of programming with Stretch, you know, we've done things in other cities already, of course, but really do a major project in another um, major city and and moving towards the East Coast. So this opportunity that came up was very exciting. It's a, um, a project of the D.C. Commission on the Arts and Humanities called Five by Five. Um, and they invite, it's an, you know, they invite applications and they select the curators from their ideas. Um, and there are five curators, each of whom curates five projects, public projects, with contemporary artists. Now, they're not, they're all unified under that notion, but they're not related within
1: the five. So each, so
0: ours is, the altar Abolish addresses is our, as the land exhibition within that. Um, and so that will say, it'll be opening early September, stretching throughout the fall um, with five, amazing artists, Diana El-Hadid, Dan Cullen, Brendan Fowler, Glen Kaino, and Marianne Vitale all in different spaces um, throughout the city, and then, of course, all the other projects will be opening at once as well, so there'll be some, you know, the city is doing, making a major effort in terms of sort of comprehensive programming access, like transportation, press, all that stuff, and we get to focus, you know, entirely on the projects themselves, which is really exciting. Um, to be able to not not have to do all of that at once. Um, And they're wonderful partners. They've been extraordinary in terms of finding us sites and all the crazy things that um, we've been asking for with respect to the artist's ideas. So, you know, I actually just got back from there, um, was visiting some sites with Diana, um, one that I'd seen the very first time I went to DC, and I was told it wasn't possible. And just like a week before I went, they said they think they might have gotten away to get it for us. And of course, it was Diana's favorite site. I'm so sorry, I know things missed,
1: like that. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think our listeners too, might have just missed what, what was the site name? Oh, sorry, it's it's actually um, I'm sorry,
0: it's it, it, it was a it's a site for Diana El Hadid along. Martin Luther King Avenue. Um, it's not. It doesn't have a name, per se. It's just an, an all, a, a empty building that's just beautifully boarded up and has a great site. Um, it's a great architecture. And it was just very appealing to me for something she and I had been talking about with respect to her fresco paintings. And um, we, when I saw it originally, I was told it was not possible. And just recently, they kept pushing at it. And I guess
1: it may be a possibility. So I don't want to jinxed wow. it by saying exactly what it was <laughs> is. but it was but very suffice, nice to go back. suffice to say that you're trying to find a variety of sites and and I, I think it's yeah. awesome that the the commission is it the commission that's being so supportive and helpful over there? Yeah In DC? Yeah they're wonderful well, it,
0: yeah no it's great. Like nice Dan Collins sites are under a under, under, underpasses. Um and it's oh. a kinetic kinetic sculptures under an underpass which I never thought they would approve and they're just as excited you mean about
1: it. A freeway yeah, underpass?
0: Exactly. Wow. Yeah, essentially, My I goodness. mean, it's, like a ma- it's under Michigan Avenue, I believe. So I don't know if that's the, a main avenue underpass. So um, just near the near the mall, actually. So it's a pretty exciting
1: site. And yeah, that is again, some major support from the city, then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So in that case, for example, versus Manifest Destiny, they provided, you know, we worked out a budget from the get go. So in that case, we had the luxury of knowing exactly. What we had to, in covering it um, versus other projects where we you know raise as we go. every nonprofit does it differently, I'm sure, but and we have a combination thereof just to answer that question.
1: Right. Oh, okay. I think we've covered so much, and if anyone listening to this hasn't been completely blown away <laughs> by <laughs> all of the activities, then I don't know what's wrong with them. Because I myself am just I'm, I'm amazed at, at everything Land is doing. Very excited to uh, you know have have seen and continue to come and see the programs. I urge people again to go to your website. Of course, you've got a mailing list and a Facebook and all that great stuff right. to keep people abreast. Because it's all free programming, mostly. I mean, except for some of the uh, fundraising-style things like your dinners. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's, there's so much more we could talk about. Uh, we could probably fill a, an hour at least. But I also like to leave it where people just get enough that they want to know more, and <laughs> they'll go research themselves rather than rather than go okay, we're, we're done. So I am going to thank you for so so much for being on the show. It was uh, amazing to hear about. Everything, and I think that land is just going to be, uh, you know, go forward and get bigger, and and every and it, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Okay.
0: Thank you so much. It was great
1: to be here, and I hope to see more faces from
0: this, and, and to see you again soon as well.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Amin, Mimo, and um, until soon. And I want to thank, thank our you. listeners for listening. This is a product of Gist Inc., which is a company run by and for artists and just supports artists in any and every aspect of their career. We have a lot of free resources, educational materials, and uh, software programs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we have a newly designed, fabulous-looking website, so please go check us out at gyst-ink.com. And thank you for listening to GIST Radio. Okay. We got paper, yes we do. Whiteboard, <laughs> notebooks, pencils,
0: blue. We got crayons, every hue. full supplies for your whole crew. Target's got everything you need to ready, set, go back to school.
1: Ready? Okay. We got paper, yes we do. Whiteboard, notebooks, pencils, blue. We got crayons, every hue. full supplies for your whole crew. Target's got everything
0: you need to ready, set, go back to school.